an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Everyone has a story. And I think I'm fascinated in people's stories. And then I take that back and my caregivers have stories. Mm-hmm. They're people and they're bringing this compassion that they do. They have a personality. I really try hard to match people together. It's almost like matchmaking. <laughs> <laughs> and you did that, actually. You did that for my client. I mean, she you really needed, needed some help. Some, and- some help and wasn't eating very well, was forgetting to eat. And you brought a caregiver in that loves to cook. Yeah. And it was a pleasure to hear from our client that her food was better than the last <laughs> she, the food that she was having delivered. Mm-hmm. And they're happy with each other. Dementia Discussions. Here to help and empower our heroic caregivers with knowledge and experience. Dementia Discussions with the caregivers themselves and memory loss professionals. Here to help with 30 years as a geriatric social worker is your Dementia Discussions host, Barbara Hammond. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Discussions. Today on the show, my guest is Bobby Schwartz. Bobby and I know each other through a mutual client. And after our visit one day, Bobby shared that her father-in-law indeed had dementia and was willing to come on the show and talk about her experience with her father-in-law. So with that, Bobby, welcome to the show. Great Thank to have you. you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I just really appreciate the work that you do. And I am now getting involved in similar work on a different scale. And it brings me a lot of fulfillment and joy to help families. So it's been wonderful to meet you and work together. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. So tell us about your father-in-law. I met my husband and we had a wonderful getting together and he invited me to come to the first time I went to his home was for Christmas and it was lovely and met his dad and his mom and Chuck and Lida, his parents. And at that time, Chuck did not have dementia. And it was one getting to know Chuck and everything that he loved. He was a musician in the past, a pianist. And then he went into accounting and he went on the school board in the area that my husband grew up in, in Northern California and fought to have, you know, the rights of the kids and better schools. And he was a really fascinating, charming, loved wines. They took wine tasting up in Northern California. It was lovely. And we started this wonderful relationship with his, I did with his parents and my boyfriend at the time was soon to be husband. But before we were married, Chuck was diagnosed with dementia. We were married back in 2008. And I remember Lida kind of telling me the signs that they went to go pump gas and he completely forgot how to do that. And he had to have his license taken away. That was a big loss for him a struggle for the family. And I would remember going up, My it was my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law and her husband that were the main, main caregivers. But Paul and I 
my husband would go up to bring some happiness and a little relief and whatever joy we can bring to the family that we're working so hard to care for Chuck. Chuck, before he kind of went into his disease, we would listen to music and he loved Maria Callas. He loved her. It was like a passion. And I remember when we would go up there and Chuck was really in the throes of his disease and things were difficult, remembering to get dressed or when to eat and maybe who I was. And I would bring over a little Bo's CD box and get the Marie Callas CD and we'd sit and listen and he'd smile and he'd light up. And you could just see the joy in his face. While we're listening to music, everyone else got a break. And it was beautiful. And I was so grateful to share that time and to bring something that he loved so much back into his life when he was struggling and he was able to connect. And I could maybe see a little light bulb. It was beautiful and wonderful. And time was going on and my husband and I were not married yet. And I told my husband, it's time. (laughs) It will be really hard to have a wedding without your father there. My husband got it (laughs) and proposed. (laughs) But, you know, and we had a beautiful wedding. They drove down from Northern California, my mother-in-law and sister and brought Chuck. And he, he definitely knew what was going on. And was so happy and so excited and so proud of his son. And I'll never forget this. There are little, these snippets of joy and a moment of him coming to my mom and saying, while I was there in the room, I have a present for you. He said to my mother before the wedding started. And I was in the room getting ready and he took out his wallet. (laughs) And I thought, what is going on here? And he reached into his wallet and he pulled out a picture of Paul when he was a little boy that he has carried in his wallet forever. And he gave that picture to my mom, which now lives in her wallet. And he, I just think like he wanted in, in his Mm -hmm. diseased mind somewhere, he knew that something really special was going on. And he wanted to give my mother this gift of Paul. Right. We saw these glimmers and it was yes, he amazing. He give her something special, something that was special to him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was a great story. Yeah. And then one little more anecdote. I spoke to Lida, his wife, this morning. And she said, I have a funny story for you. Because she, it was so hard. It was so hard for her. And He loved to wear his watch. He wanted to wear his watch every day. I had maybe like a bit of a complicated band. So she went and she found an expandable band that it would make an easier way for him to put the watch on. And it came to the time where Lido had to get him dressed every day. And so she got him dressed, but she would leave the watch on the table and let him put that on himself. And so she got him dressed. She walked into the kitchen to prepare breakfast. He comes out, he sits down and she is getting breakfast. She serves him breakfast and she notices that the watch on his left wrist is not there. And she says, where's your watch? And he said, I'm wearing it. 
And she looks on the other wrist and it's not there. And she says, well, where are you wearing it? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, right down there on his ankle. (laughs) (laughs) It took her a half an hour to get it off. (laughs) And she said to me, as a caregiver for someone with dementia, you have to find the humor or you'll never survive. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that she today, and it was so hard because they never called in a caregiver. It was just the three of them caring for him. And when we tried to come up to give them a moment of peace and space and time for themselves, but it was so hard. And I was so grateful that she was able to give me those words. Cause I told her I was going to be doing this podcast. And she said, mm-hmm. please tell them this. You have to find the humor to survive. And I I appreciated that from her. Yes, that's a good message. Yeah. It's true because you can really quickly spiral down in your head with all the difficult things, all the daily tasks, so much to do, so much weight you're carrying, all the responsibilities. Right. That is true. Just to take a moment to laugh at something ridiculous. Is, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ridiculous. He put his watch on his ankle. <laughs> he knew it, was, it went somewhere. It's good for her. Yes. Yeah. And I, I also appreciate that today we can still talk about it. So it was hard, but we can still talk about Chuck and, and, and the care because it was a difficult thing for her. But it was lovely to hear her say that. So Chuck passed away. He did. And that was another story that this was my husband's family. And of course, I love them. And I wanted to give them peace and space and help where I could. And he was he was in the hospital and he was he was dying. I was with my husband has twin sisters. So I was with a sister and Paul and it was late. It was late at night. And they said, let's go. We can't leave him alone there. Let's go. And I said, let's go get in the car. Come on. <laughs> so we went to his hospital room and clearly this was pre-COVID. We went in and the nurses were wonderful and let us all in. I remember the Olympics were on. There's like, you know, sporting events going on on the TV. The TV was on and Chuck was in bed. And I took a seat, not near Chuck, but kind of the other side of the room. And I just started to ask, Paul was on one side of him. Sister was on the other and they were holding his hand. I, I don't know how, I don't know why. I just started to ask them about stories about their childhood. Mm. And they started to reminisce and they were talking to him. And the most amazing thing is that he squeezed each of their hands. Mm. And it was this beautiful night. That's so great. So were they saying like, Dad, remember when this yeah. happened? Yeah, they were talking about funny stories or like he wasn't the camper in the family and they'd go camping or like he made great, I think it was meatballs or some great tomato sauce or a pesto. Was a, he was famous for this pesto sauce. They were just talking and, and kind of enjoying their company and his company. And I just was sitting on the side, so just happy for everyone. I think I ended up leaving and they both stayed. They stayed all night mm-hmm. and he passed that morning. I went home to be with my sister-in-law's son and, oh my God, we woke up and early and the, this 
bright, beautiful, unbelievable sunset. I'll never forget it. I will never forget it. It was pinks and purples and just so colorful. And then Paul called and let me know that he passed. And I said to Lynn's son, Sebastian, I said, this is his last wish for us. It was a sunrise. It was a sunrise. It was a sun, not sunrise. It was a, the most stunning. And he loved pink. And I remember this. He loved pink. And I went, I bought pink sweatshirts or t-shirts for everyone to wear in the hospital. <laughs> I just think going through the process and that part of life with my husband's family and my father-in-law who was suffering from dementia and knowing what he liked was so special. And you were able to connect with him. It was, it was, yeah, in a beautiful, meaningful way. And and I will always cherish that in my heart. Bobby, these are great stories. And I hope that these stories just give some hope to other people. And now that I work in this world and I, I, I work, I bring caregivers to people and it's incredible. It's hard, but it's incredible when I can find the right people to match each other. And I am helping and bringing quality of life to individuals. And it's fulfilling work that I'm doing. Let's talk about that in a moment. So, I mean, you brought up three really great points, which was music, right? Humor. Yeah. Yeah. Humor in it all. Music. Yeah. A great way to connect with people. And then life review bringing people together and talking about their life, their memories, their good memories, their funny memories. Yeah. All of those things just really brings people together. It really does. What a great thing you did. That's it was special. I wanted to give to this family and I, and it just, I I didn't even think about it hard. It was just, it just came natural. It just did. You did. You gave to them and your ability to sit and, have music on and give them a break. That's a huge gift. It was lovely. It was lovely. Mm, and and at a time that's difficult. Good for you. Really good for you. Yeah. And for the family too. You work for an agency that provides caregivers. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Sure. I work for interim healthcare and I am a client service manager with them. And this work came to me really naturally too, kind of fell into my lap and I dove in head first. I think I'm grateful to have a natural compassion and empathetic soul and to go and listen to families and people. I really sit and listen and get to understand what their needs are of the family. And then the person who's needing the care, who is that person? Who are they? Mm-hmm. What do they like? What did they like if they don't remember? What can we bring back that will bring them some joy? How, How can important we... that is, really, what you're saying, to listen. Really, yeah. to really listen to who they are and who they were. That's great. So go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Everyone has a story. And I think I'm fascinated in people's stories. And then I take that back and my caregivers have stories. Mm-hmm. They're people and they're bringing this compassion that they do. They have a personality. I really try hard to match people together. It's almost like matchmaking. 
And you did that, actually. You did that for my client. I mean, she you really needed, needed some help. Some, and- some help and wasn't eating very well, was forgetting to eat. And you brought a caregiver in that loves to cook. Yeah. And it was a pleasure to hear from our client that her food was better than the last <laughs> she, the food that she was having delivered. Mm-hmm. And they're happy with each other. It's so hard for families just working with families. It's so hard for caregivers to acknowledge that they need help. Somehow yes. that feels like a failure. Like they can't do it. And they're a failure for not being able to. You know what I mean? That oftentimes it's a spouse, right? Right. Until death do us part. Right. And they should, They all these shoulds, they should be able to do this. Care. Um, right. Yeah, to do this, this care, care on their own. And right. bringing someone in somehow feels like an invasion of privacy and they they can't do it. And why can't they? What's wrong with them that they right. can't do all this work? Sometimes I've come to the point of meeting with families where they have acknowledged it's so hard. And I think that can be a point of loss and grief for them and that they have to kind of go through. They finally are at that stage. And, and then sometimes I have come where the client they're they're so used to with family caring for them that they are so reluctant to having a caregiver come in. Now it's the client itself. And that becomes a big challenge. Yeah. You said it, probably a bigger challenge than the first hurdle. It's hard. And and sometimes I don't succeed in getting caregivers over there. Sure. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Or sometimes if the family is willing and everyone's open. We can come up with a different name for the caregiver. Like you're going to have an assistant or you're going to have someone special here who's going to take you to appointments and drive you around and take you to do things that you would really love to do. A friend. So if the family, if it gets to that point and everyone's kind of open and really knows that this person is needing a caregiver and the word caregiver is sometimes doesn't work, right? Because the family should be the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we then try with the family to come up with clever titles and that has worked. And when it does, it's wonderful. And I've had a client, it was not a wife. It was um, his wife. Is, he was living up in Northern California in an assisted living. And he had two daughters. One was in Germany and one was up in Sacramento with him, but he still had his home in Santa Monica and his wife passed in that home. He was 95 and he detested the assisted living that he was in, even though it was probably the finest assisted living you could find in Sacramento. And he wanted to go home and they moved back and the daughter called us and then we came And he was so reluctant. (laughs) And I brought a coworker with me who I was training to do meet with families and learn how to work with them. And we call it an intake when we learn who the people are and who is the client. And he just really liked my assistant. She was funny and, or my coworker. It came to a point where we had to use the term driver 
and he really didn't want anyone in the house taking him to appointments. But we'd have a caregiver come in and just kind of make sure there was food in the refrigerator, or mm. things like that. Like, but they couldn't stay long. I don't know. I, we couldn't find someone. And Octavia, that was my my coworker, had she went down there, to, I think, to take him to a doctor's appointment, something. And he was so happy. <laughs> he had her number because he had both of our numbers. And he would call her and he was, he was German. He had a very German Octavia, I don't want anybody else but you. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. And once again, we were finding the humor with our dear client who didn't want a caregiver. And we had drivers. But unfortunately, and this is the other thing that I find, which is so hard, is that when it gets to the time where the client is reluctant and we maybe just have people coming in and taking them to doctor's appointments because there's no other family here. Mm-hmm. We step in and we do step in. And that's what I really pride about the work that I do and my team. We really will step in. And he fell. We were not there mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. And he had a really bad health situation. The daughter called me and said, do you think we can get a caregiver over there? I said, absolutely not. You call 911. And he ended up in the hospital and the hospital, you know, would not let him come home unless he had 24 hour care. But we stepped up like, like we knew this client, we knew him, we joked with him. Mm -hmm. We went to visit him in the hospital when no one else could. And he came home and then we provided him caregivers and he then was grateful. That's great. And would you say that that's a pretty common story that oftentimes it takes a hospitalization really yes. to implement the yeah. amount of care that's needed? Yeah, it does sometimes where I wish it would be the reverse, that it wouldn't take that fall or an emergency situation and people could call me or any other agency to get the help that they need. Of course, we'd love them to call interim, but (laughs) (laughs) so please, we're here. Really, truly, we just, families, it is. Do you see that too? Oh, absolutely. It's that crisis that occurs. And I say, why, why let a good crisis go to waste? A person ends up in the hospital. It's the perfect time to implement more care. Right. And it's the perfect reason, like you can say, you know what, just dad or whoever, your client, just until you get better, just until you're steady on your feet kind of thing. Right. Make it sound kind of temporary, but really everyone knows it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I learned in my life early on, one of the most important things that you can do for yourself as a human being is ask for help. And how hard that is. It is. Exactly hard sometimes. And maybe because I learned that lesson early on in my life, I can kind of extend that to families. Mm -hmm. And when I see families open and ask for help and we come in and provide the caregiving and we're there for however many hours it may need, it's either 24 seven or eight hours a day, however people are in their disease. And we are then bringing quality of life to our clients and a smile and peace of mind for the family. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's true. And that it's a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness to ask for help. 
right? Because you're trying to preserve a person's independence at home. Right. You're not trying to make them more dependent. You're not trying to take away their autonomy. You're trying to preserve who they are. That's what you're talking about, listening to them, hearing who they are, hearing who they were, what activities they enjoyed, and trying to keep those going. Yes. So you're not trying to take them away. It's correct. We don't. We give someone, give it, give the life, bring life to them, their life, their independence. Exactly. They have a caregiver and maybe their family can't take them to go get their nails done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What a joy. What a joy. Yes. Yes, I agree with you. Independence. Yeah. All of these are hurdles to work through. And if you have to be creative to get there. And patient. Yeah, and patient. And patient. Yeah. And do it with a loving heart. And really, truly, I have clients today that have had caregivers now coming up on a year, maybe two years. And it's a beautiful. The, the connection with the caregiver, it's remarkable. Sometimes the bond that is made, they are having a quality and an independence of life. That is beautiful. So it's a, it's a joy to bring that yeah, to so people. Yes, as you said, very fulfilling. Even and when there's I, challenges, it's very fulfilling. Very, yes, and, and, and I'm grateful that we met too. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> you are bringing joy to our mutual client, and you are bringing peace of mind to her daughter. Yes. Who lives out of town. Yes. Right. So thank you for that. Yes. Well, I, it's, you know, I, I, this is a lovely thing is that with our caregivers, and with the work that we do, it's a team. Mm. Just like just like when they say with babies, it takes a village. Yes. And I don't mean to demoralize or demean mm-hmm. our adults that are aging and going through these problems and these diseases. But sometimes it takes a village too. That's true. So we all make up part of the village. Right. We, we are a true team. Right. Yes. Well, thank you, Bobby, really. I'm so grateful to you for many things coming today to talk about your family story. I really appreciate that. And of course, our work together. So Thank, thank, you. You, thank you. It was lovely to share it. I, I, I do hope it brings hope out there to people. So thank you. It will. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. It takes courage because not everyone's willing to do that. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net. And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions.